Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pelvic Matters. I'm your host, Marina Castellanos, a physical therapist specializing in pelvic health for women and children in Westchester County, New York. Today on the show, I have physical therapist Dr. Amanda Olson here to discuss the intimate rose line of vaginal dilators, wands, and weights. Dr. Olson is the president and chief clinical officer of Intimate Rose, where she develops pelvic health products and education, and authored the book, Restoring the Pelvic Floor for Women. She's passionate about empowering women and men with pelvic health issues, including pelvic pain, incontinence, and pre and postpartum issues. She teaches internationally on various pelvic health topics, including pelvic floor dysfunction and runners. She has written several physical therapy continuing education courses, newspaper and magazine articles on pelvic floor dysfunction and running. Welcome to the show, Dr. Olson. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited for you to be here. I, you know, I do the show with um, all different kinds of providers. And, you know, I have to say when I have a fellow physical therapist on the show, I get like even more excited. So, oh, absolutely. Um, like, we are the funnest. <laughs> yes. I mean, one of my people. So I love it. And I'm so happy that you're here. And I don't know, um, you know, if you checked out any of the first season of the show, I had a couple of pelvic pain physiatrists um, on the show. And, you know, I even said from back in season one, I said, I really need to do a show like on wands and dilators and weights and kind of all of these pelvic health tools that we, you know, recommend to patients all the time, just to give a little more awareness and education about, you know, what they're really for, um, you know, and how to go about, you know, maybe initiating, um, you know, using them for patients. So why don't we start a little bit um, with your background? You want to share with listeners what actually inspired you to be a pelvic PT? Absolutely. Yeah. So I have been in clinical practice for 13 years now. So I finished my doctorate degree um, with the explicit uh, intent of specializing in pediatric neurology. And in the first year of my work, I was working in a children's hospital and on a weekend was off camping and having an adventure. And um, I found myself getting very significantly injured. Um, you know, it's, I find it to be a funny story now, but it was a very serious situation when it happened. Um, I was with a group of but we were all very young, you know, we were in our mid twenties and I was, I had a doctorate degree, so I had some sense about me, but um, apparently at that time I was very intent on keeping up with the boys and the boys were cliff jumping ah. off of a 40 foot rock into the river, into the oh water. Um, yes. Uh, which, you know, all good stories start with, we were cliff jumping. <laughs> <laughs> and if they don't, they should. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it's one of those areas of the river that's deemed safe to jump into. It's very deep, but a very still part of the river, and I am a strong swimmer. And um, off the cliff I went, and apparently when you jump off a cliff, you are supposed to land straight, like a pencil, with your feet entering first. And I lost my sense of body position in the air, and I landed in an L position on my bottom with my bottom making contact with the water first. And at 40 feet up, the water acts like cement. So, you know, this story is one that, again, I, I think it's very funny now at how I made this choice and how, you know, <laughs> how it all happened because it redirected my life. You know, my life was always to serve others. And I went to PT school thinking that I was going to be serving children. And this, um, this accident landed me very seriously injured. Um, I basically annihilated my pelvic floor. I significantly injured 
uh, all the joints in my pelvis and in my low back and uh, dislocated my coccyx. And, you know, to the extent of I had to go see a pelvic health colleague. And 13, no, 12 years ago, um, there wasn't but a couple hundred of us in the whole country. You know, it wasn't a thing. Yeah. Pelvic health was not popular. Um, we had some amazing groundbreaking physical therapists that were doing it. And I was so lucky that there was one in Portland, Oregon, where I lived at the time. And she took such great care of me. And she, um, I, I had pelvic physical therapy to help restore muscle function joint mobility, um, all those things, because I was obviously in a significant amount of pain. Yeah. And um, she fixed me right up. It took several months. It was not an easy process, but I was the patient on the table. And um, she, at the very end of my treatment said, Amanda, you need to quit pediatrics. You need to do this. You have the right personality for it. And there's a huge need. And so I did. I went back and I recertified. I took all the courses. I um, learned everything that I could. It took several years and now here I am and it's a new life purpose. And I, I am so thankful to be able to help others that are, are struggling in public health. Wow. Amanda, that is, that's such an amazing story. <laughs> you know, we, we all get that question. I know you must yeah. have, like from patients, you know, what led you to become, you know, public PT, you know, and yeah. my, my story is nowhere near as like, interesting is that um, you know that's that's really like quite a story for you to share with everybody um but i'm certainly glad you went into the specialty and it is a wonderful specialty um so why don't we talk a little bit about um you know when we talk about pelvic physical therapy and we talk about tools that we recommend to patients you know we have to include in the discussion you know wands and dilators and weights um so why don't we tell listeners why don't we share with them you know what is the the difference maybe between those items? Absolutely. Um, in pelvic health, there's a, a lot of different classifications and diagnoses, you know, and they are very different and they often indicate different behavior of the pelvic floor muscles and different behaviors in relationship to the organs that they support, which include the bladder and the uterus in some people and the rectum. And so when we're looking at these uh, different diagnoses, um, we can broadly categorize them into underactive pelvic floor dysfunctions or impairments or injuries, which often um, involves muscles that simply don't have the timing, coordination, speed, or strength. Uh, and so we tend to see this with urinary incontinence, fecal incontinence, um, and sometimes with SI joint pain and low back pain where the muscles just are not um, able to perform a contraction either long enough or strong enough or in, in proper timing and control. On the other side of that, and again, keeping in mind there's everything in between, um, on the other side of that, we have a, a broad categorization of overactive pelvic floor muscle dysfunction or impairment or activity, where the muscles are working overtime and perhaps they don't know how to relax or perhaps um, they are clenching and the person is not aware of it. And we tend to see this a lot with pain diagnoses. Um, and again, we can also see it in the low back pain and SI joint dysfunction. So um, physical therapy treats, again, all everything in between, all of those different um, pelvic floor muscle behaviors and also addresses, you know, some of the performance of the organs in association with them when we're talking about incontinence or pain. Um, we're, we're educating people in how to modify some of their activities in order to limit that and reduce it and get back to living the life they had in mind. 
And the tools that I've created are meant to help empower people to do that at home and in their off time and to help increase the speed at which they're feeling better and also to thrive on their own because in pelvic physical therapy, we love our patients, but our goal is to have them not have to come to appointments, right? We want to yeah. get them fixed, reach their Absolutely. goals and get them to a status where they're self-managing. So, um, and that happens at various intervals and, and the tools are a part of that journey. Yes, absolutely. I think um, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, one of the goals for physical therapy, you know, in public health is to have you not come to physical therapy. Really <laughs> Um, yeah. You know, so the more I find that we can empower patients to do things on their own, the better, because um, then that's just going to help them get back to life a lot sooner. Yes, exactly. So tell me a little bit um, about what inspired you to create, you know, the intimate rose line of products, because there, there are other lines of products out there, dilators and such. So tell me, you know, what inspired you to create, you know, your line? Yeah, well, being the patient on the table and then being the person one-on-one, -on -one, face to face in the room with patients who are sharing their stories and crying and hurting and just really needing help. Um, what I wanted was to be able to provide solutions that, first of all, were the most comfortable. Um, so I wanted to have a finish that was really, really smooth um, and comfortable. And so we sought that with our very unique finish on our medical grade silicone. And then I wanted them to be pretty and welcoming and not look like a sterile medical thing. I wanted, right. I wanted the devices to have like a cheery aspect, you know, um, I, I use that disposition when I'm treating my patients and I wanted that to linger. I wanted, I wanted something that, you know, brought just a sense of a little pep, you know, and so we use bright colors that are intended to be, you know, gender neutral. We use all different colors in the rainbow that are meant to be just really welcoming. You know, if somebody found it out by accident, they wouldn't necessarily think, oh, what is this strange medical device? You know, maybe it's a paperweight, maybe it's a back scratcher. Who really knows? <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I think the the line of products, you know, and you were gracious enough to send me samples. I think the the texture and the smoothness um, really is smoother than anything I've, I've previously um, you know held before in terms of you know dilators and stuff and wands. So I do think that um, that's important for patient care because we definitely want something that's not irritating. So let's let's share with people um, what exactly do you do with a pelvic wand and a dilator? Yeah. Pelvic wands and dilators are specifically intended to help people that generally have various forms of pelvic pain. In some instances, they are used together, and in some instances, one or the other will be more appropriate, and that varies by person. Dilators by nature are intended for people that are having difficulty or pain with penetration, and that penetra penetration could be with a tampon, a medical exam, or with penetrative intercourse with a partner. Um, so people that have had cancer or that have um, muscles that are clenching, that are prohibiting them from receiving penetration. And the dilators are intended to help train the brain and the pelvic floor muscles and the tissues in the vaginal or rectal opening to be able to tolerate that. So it's not just about using the dilator to stretch the tissue, it's about training the brain to coordinate a relaxation and an opening to allow for that penetration to take place and then also training the muscles and the tissue themselves. Um, so the dilators look like a cylinder and they start very small, about the size of my pinky, and then they just gradually 
increase in size and there's eight in our current set. Mm -hmm. um, and we are looking at expanding that. So um, there will be fun things coming down the pipe to come, but currently um, we make eight gentle progressive uh, dilators. I think and that's then, great to know oh, because that they start out very small because when a woman is experiencing pain with penetration, with vaginal penetration, and you know, or just with using, let's say, like a small tampon, um, yeah. you know, the, the idea of inserting something can be extremely, you know, intimidating and triggering. So I think noting yeah. that they do come in small sizes. Um, you know, is important so that you're not automatically trying to insert something that's um, going to be too large um, for the space there. Exactly. We wanted an entry point that was much, much smaller because especially when you're looking at a goal of having penetrative sex and um, particularly if there's already a partner in place and you're looking at the size of the partner and you're looking at not being able to tolerate anything, that's like telling someone who's never ran to go run a marathon, yes. you know, their, their body and their mind. And That's a great this, analogy. Yeah, yeah. They're just exactly. not, um, they're just not there yet. And so we want to just slowly, incrementally train, train the body and train the mind to be ready for that marathon. And then you get a medal at the end. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Another great analogy. And I think it's so important for people to realize, um, that it's, it's not a one day, um, it's not a one day course of treatment. I'm mean, using dilators. There's no specific timeline that you have to meet to, in order to progress to a dilator. Like everybody's different. And, you know, somebody may be using a small day dilator for days. Another person may be using it for weeks. Um, so yeah. it really just depends on the individual person, you know, and how they're feeling and when they feel that it's the right time to move on to the next size. You got it. And of course, everyone wants to be there like tomorrow. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but you, yeah, it's really important to remember that. And I think especially I've noticed a lot of women more and more are sharing their stories, which is awesome, but it also lends to comparison. So people are sharing their stories so they don't feel so alone. And I think it's just so incredible, but I think it's also really hard if somebody watches somebody, you know, cruising through a dilator progression and they are taking weeks. It's really important to understand that that is totally physiologically normal and yes. that we all heal and we all progress and we all learn things. It's, you're learning a new skill, learning how to relax muscles that um, previously were not uh, learning how to relax is like riding a bicycle. And so that's a coordination component that is, you can't see it. You can't, you know, it's not like um, other new skills that you learn with your body. It's, it's really difficult. So I think it's important to give grace, um, you know, that we all give each other grace. And yes, yes. I mean, I always tell patients, you know, right where you are, you know, your starting point, that's what you're supposed to be. So yes. it's just, you know, that's your starting point and that's okay. And for everybody, you know, it's going to be different depending on who you are, but there's no right or wrong place to start. So yeah. I think, um, you know, the, it helps to have some of the pressure taken off when I say, you know, I'm, I'm still on the same dilator. And I said, that's okay. Um, you know, we're retraining the brain essentially with doing this work and that can take longer for some people, but it's fine. You still get there eventually. And that's what, you know, the important part is. Absolutely. Yep. I think, um, you know, another notable thing to discuss is sometimes with people who haven't seen a pelvic floor physical therapist yet, but they're experiencing, let's say, some pelvic pain, um, mm -hmm. everybody tends to think that Kegels are the answer. 
Um, you know, and of course we know when you have a hypertonic pelvic floor, you have pelvic pain, you know, the, the place to start is not Kegels. Um, so for people who, you know, maybe have an extension of that and think, oh, maybe I need to get a Kegel weight. Maybe my pelvic floor is weak and that's why I'm getting pain. Um, you know, how, how can a person um, decipher, you know, what is the right tool for them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, you know, when, when a person is experiencing pelvic floor symptoms, it's always, the gold standard is always going to be to see a pelvic floor physical therapist that has documented training in pelvic floor physical therapy or occupational therapy. Um, because then a really thorough examination is going to be done to determine the exact driver of the symptoms and to provide a unique one-on-one -on -one plan for the person. So the gold standard is going to be to always see somebody. We know, and I know now more than ever of working, you know, having my company and having these devices, that there are a lot of barriers to getting in to see physical therapists. And you better bet that I'm working on breaking down those barriers. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, we do know that some people do need to self-treat um, because of lack of funding or lack of proximity to a provider, um, lack of insurance, and also during the current pandemic that we're in. Um, and so generally speaking, it's important to know, as you mentioned, that if you have symptoms of pain, while it is possible that there is some weakness in there, it's always best to address the pain first. So it may be that Kegels are appropriate down the line, but addressing the pain first is really important. And that is um, uh, it's a, a robust approach that can include different stretches and exercises and learning how to control the pelvic floor. And the wand can also be a really valuable tool in that too. The wand I specifically created to be able to internally address tender points. Always, always it's best to see a pelvic physical therapist, but as, as we just talked about, that that's not always um, readily available to them. So I always recommend that when working with the wand, people never push on their tissue inside of their body or out any harder than they would to check a tomato for ripeness. Um, and so the wand can be just gently sweeped through the vagina, through the rectum, either end can go in both places um, to, to identify any tender places. And then again, never pushing more than you would with a, uh, to check a tomato for ripeness. We can move the legs, um, which can help get blood flow into the area, cause a contract and relaxed response in the pelvic floor, which can be really beneficial in shutting down painful areas and helping improve the pliability and mobility of the muscles. And then once that's been addressed, which can often take months, if not weeks, um, or, you know, to, to get resolution there, then it is possible that their symptoms are going to totally resolve. Um, but it's also possible that additional strengthening may be recommended. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, the, for the vaginal weights, those are indicated for people that have identified that they don't have pain, pelvic floor appears to be weak, whether it's a product of pregnancy or surgery or um, perhaps other illnesses that have led to chronic strain on those muscles. And the, the weights are actually a really great way to test pelvic floor capabilities because it flags the brain as to where those muscles are. You know, a lot of people don't properly do Kegels. And so if they put even the, the lightest weight in and they bear down instead of contracting the muscles and pulling up, they're going to know right away. So it's like a very cheap, very easy form of biofeedback for them. So we've seen a lot of people do very well with very basic symptoms with that. 
I think that's such great information. And I think, um, you know, thank you for sharing with listeners that a wand can be used, you know, vaginally or rectally as well. Um, because not necessarily people, you know, associate um, the wand with, you know, the anal approach there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, do you always recommend to people that they use the wand, the dilator with lubricant? 100%. Yes, you've got it. Um, so uh, our products are all medical grade silicone. All of our products are FDA registered. And um, for this, uh, it's been identified that the best lubricants to use with that medical grade silicone is a water-based lubricant or a natural oil. So like a coconut, a fractionated coconut oil or an avocado oil or um, other natural ones. The only no-no with using medical grade silicone is silicone-based lubricants. Okay. Okay, thanks for sharing that with everybody. I think um, another point you actually hit on before um, when we were talking about the dilators is worth um, noting again because people want to know, you know, do they have to get to the biggest size dilator? And I tell them, you know, not necessarily because, you know, what is the goal? Is your goal yep. to be able to have a tampon in? Is your goal to be able to have penetrative intercourse with your male partner, in which case, um, you know, everybody is created differently. So depending on the size of your partner, you may not need to progress to the largest dilator and that's okay. So I think like you mentioned before, knowing the size of your partner is helpful because that in essence um, can be become the goal. You got it 100%. There's no need to go beyond what is functional in your life. Right. So yep, you got it. And I think also, um, you know, outlining again how you're talking about, it's not just women who've had babies who may, um, you know, incur weakness in their pelvic floor. You know, it's people who had traumas, people who've had surgeries. Um, you know, I think those people tend to kind of get lost in the shuffle, um, you know, because the person, let's say a person who's had their gallbladder removed or who had an appendectomy, um, you know, and has had some kind of trauma to their abdomen because they had some kind of surgery, um, they don't get referred for pelvic floor physical therapy, but over time, you know, issues can definitely result because there was some kind of trauma to the abdomen that didn't involve childbirth. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's worth, you know, repeating that for people because, you know, surgery, abdominal surgery, nothing gets referred, nobody gets referred for physical therapy after abdominal surgery. I mean, very rarely, unless it's an extreme abdominal surgery that's, um, you know, not a standard, you know, appendectomy or like all by removal, like I said. So I think having people understand that when you have trauma to your abdomen, when you have a surgery to your abdomen, and not just a C-section, things can carry over and affect the pelvic floor as well, contributing either to, you know, weakness or tightness and maybe needing pelvic floor therapy and the use of, you know, tools like these. 100%. Yeah. Uh, any, any surgery, regardless of how small the incision was, is a disruptor to the abdominal cavity and pressure system. And that can affect how we breathe and how we uh, coordinate and use our pelvic floor muscles. And it can also affect our back. Um, and I think, as you mentioned, a lot of physicians are not aware of that. Um, and, you know, th that's certainly an area of growth for us as providers to be educating general surgeons who are commonly doing those procedures that we're here and, you know, send us your people and we're going to optimize the outcomes for the patient to ensure that there's no other sequelae from that procedure. Yeah, I think that's so important. I think, I don't think it's general practice, you know, yet, but it's worth fighting for, I think, um, 
a lot of people do get secondary effects from abdominal surgeries and, you know, they just don't understand what's going on. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And so things get to such a point and such a troublesome point, unfortunately, that they kind of have no choice but to really seek out help from multiple healthcare providers searching for an answer. So it's definitely something um, I would love for listeners to be proactive about if you, if anybody is going through something that may just be a standard abdominal surgery that may be, you know, referred to as minimal, it's still surgery and it's still worth, um, you know, finding a healthcare provider like a pelvic floor PT to talk about, you know, properly rehabbing your core muscles so that it doesn't end up, um, you know, affecting your pelvic floor in, in any kind of way that we've been discussing. Yeah. And pelvic floor rehabilitation therapists are really great at mobilizing scar tissue, no matter how old, and we love it. So bring yes, in the too. scars. <laughs> <That's so true. laughs> Very gentle. It doesn't hurt. And no, it's no, no. well worth it. <laughs> and, um, you know, like you said, not everybody has access to it. I mean, I think the, the number one choice would be for everybody to have at least one session with a pelvic floor physical therapist who is interested in maybe using a wand or going through dilators um, just to make sure they're inserting them correctly, using them correctly, not being overly zealous with them. As you mentioned, the tissue you know is sensitive and we don't want to use too much pressure. I like the um, you know I like what you said before about not using more pressure than you would to gently squeeze a tomato. Um, I think that's a great cue to give to people. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Amanda, this was so great. And I think this was a lot of great information to give to people. Um, do you have, before we start um, wrapping up, do you have any other information or comments that you'd like to share with listeners? Um, yes, absolutely. On our website, there's um, a bunch of ways that we help support people, not just with the, um, the, the devices themselves, but there are over 100 different blog articles and video tutorials and guides on um, various pelvic health diagnoses, um, in, in addition to step-by-step -step guides on how to use the devices. So there's support all the way around, and there's lots of visual guides available. And then additionally, if people are looking to find a provider in their area, we have a support system where when a customer writes in or just anyone can write in to our support at intimaterose.com email, we can help connect them with a pelvic health rehabilitation person based on their zip code. So we've got a, I've got a wide uh, net of fellow colleagues across the world, really, um, but particularly here in the U.S. and in Canada. So um, we want to support people in helping find a great practitioner. So that is something that we do. That's fantastic. Um, so again, the website is intimaterose.com. Yes. And I have, and I know you had sent me a special code um, that I can share with listeners now for anybody who does plan to purchase something off of the website. So they would get a discount just by using my name, M-A-R-I-N-A, -A, and then the number two. So Marina two, if anybody wants to look into purchasing something from the Intimate Rose line, you'll be able to get um, a discount using that. Um, Amanda, do you have any other social media that you want to share? Yes, we have an Instagram account where I'm constantly posting new educational videos and other supportive guides. So um, we are Intimate Rose on Instagram. And we did start a TikTok account as well. And, um, you know, we, we keep it really classy um, and just love to provide education. So our TikTok um, 
videos are still educational, but they're, you know, a little bit more fun in keeping with the tone of the uh, platform. So you can find us in both of those locations. We also are, of course, on Facebook and on Twitter at IntimateRose.com. Awesome. Awesome. So many thanks to you, Dr. Amanda Olson, for being here today. This was really wonderful. And everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pelvic Matters. And don't forget to listen um, to the next episode that drops. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thank you.